Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. You know, the fear was when COVID struck uh, the economy, when people began to work from home a bit more and employers realized it was actually technically feasible to do so, that the commercial real estate market was going to somehow crater, that uh, suddenly leases would, would be voided and people would walk away from buildings in a hurry. But that, of course, that hasn't really happened. But it is undergoing change as a market. And today I want to look at these changes and challenges with two guests from Blue Shore Financial. Uh, Andy Wu is general manager of Business and Wealth, and Anna Plute is a business advisor at Blue Shore. Good to have you both. Thank you for having so us. Listen, uh, let's, let's uh, start with you, uh, Anna. I mean, the, the pandemic effects um, were, you know, it, immediately there were great fears, like the, that somehow real estate was going to fall apart, that um, people weren't going to be able to go into buildings to see what was going to be available. There was a whole bunch of worry. And it hasn't borne out, but but still there were some mistakes made along the way. Where where have the mistakes been made in the handling of, during the pandemic of the commercial market? Well, I just have two um, clients I was kind of thinking about. And, um, you know, with everybody working from home, um, you know, one client, for example, was looking to see if they can, you know, sublease their their space. And, you know, looking at their lease agreement, um, they could, but there was a cap on who they could lease it to. And, you know, because some landlords don't want to have two accounting firms or two lawyers in in the same building. So, unfortunately, they had to let go of the building. So, it was a management of the almost like the population of a particular building. And you, you had a bit of a scramble going on there. Yeah, absolutely. With musical chairs almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Andy, as you saw, like, where, again, where um, did people have an expectation that was, wasn't borne out or, or something they weren't expected that arrived? You know, like, what, what were the things that surprised people, do you think? I think it had to do with more of the, uh, the contracts that were written pre-COVID. And of course, nobody was able to foresee this happening and uh, the whole kerfuffle afterwards. But some of, the, some of the tenants that got locked into longer-term contracts and then subsequently their, their business had to scale back. I couldn't call that a mistake, but again, it, it just had to do with the effect of the pandemic all of a sudden just springing up. Yeah. Are, are we starting to see um, a kind of a firming up of all of this, Anna, where where people people's fears were raised or expectations were raised or lowered, and now here we are two plus years in, and there's a settling in of it at all. Can you can you sort of see a stabilization of things now? A little bit. Um, there is still, you know, the um, employees wanting to work from home, and you know, employers having to accommodate that, and that also gives you the option of, you know. Do we keep the space that we're in? Do we move into a new space? Yeah, yeah. And and when it comes to uh, inventory out there, uh, is there is, is there a significant amount of inventory, or is, are people still picking over a pretty skeletal offering out there? Yeah, there's definitely a shortage. Yeah, shortage of supplies, and I see that with uh, most of my clients. Yeah. Andy, when there is a shortage of supply like that, uh, you can see pretty significant price elevations if if you're not careful. But, uh, you know, and has has that started to occur? Yes. And 
pretty broad base too. Um, although the only exception I think is more of retail space because a lot of retailers, uh, unfortunately, again, their business either downsized or had to move mm -hmm. or just uh, completely shut down. So retail space, I see a lot more inventory than say commercial in industry space or warehouse space. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where we see the most increase as well, especially light warehousing. Oh, yes. And with Anna, with all of this, uh, a fair number of businesses probably initially when they started to see that their employees, many of their employees could work at home, um, may have had to do a little bit of a reconsideration of how much space they had. And yet, from what I can detect, there isn't this reforming of the office space. There isn't a, a smaller scaling. There isn't nothing terribly profound that way taking place. It, 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 has it turned out to the point where people are just saying, we need to stay put. We need, we're, th this is not the time to kind of take the, you know, take our business and cut it in half. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's, if you, there's two options, you know, when you, I guess not two options, two uh, problems when you do move into a, a bigger space, right? I mean, some of my clients have priced themselves out and they can't get a place. And other ones, there's, you know, there's no vacancy. And even like Andy said, you know, when retail space, I mean, the dental offices are looking for the same retail space that the restaurants are. And you have, you know, daycares wanting that space as well, right? And daycares are finding it even harder because now they have to bring that space up to code. Yeah. Uh, when you look at uh, the lower mainland market and all of this and what kind of advice you have to give people about uh, location or about financing and things like that, um, would you characterize it, uh, Andy, as, as still something that is um, a pretty acute shortage that isn't going to necessarily be met uh, in, the, in the near term because of, um, because of the, the, the kind of pace of supply that's emerging? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, and Kala, we add that uh, with residences, I, I know we are quite picky about where we live ourselves. Uh, we want to be uh, the center where everything's kind of convenient and things like that. I think it's it's more so with businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, the location is key, and that's where prime locations, uh, as we were saying before, the prices have shot through the roof, um, and. Otherwise, again, with the shortage of available spaces, um, it's really incumbent on the businesses to assess where they want to be at yeah. and have a balance between a good location versus the location where all the workers can conveniently go to yeah. to be able to attract workers as yeah. well. Are, uh, Anna, are we seeing businesses, when they do relocate, relocating near where their workers actually live? I mean, they'd like to be, you know, close to their clients and close to their employees, but sometimes they're, it's not possible for yeah. their employees to be in the same location as their clients. So transportation is definitely key. So I see clients moving into a location that is closer to their clients, but also along the, the major routes so that their employees can get there with ease. Let's talk a bit about some of the, some of the markets that are here, though, Andy, in, in, in the lower mainland. And, uh, and what some of their uh, strengths and weaknesses are. I mean, Vancouver would be perceived, I guess, as the as a prime location. However, yes. it is bound to be the most expensive, and as you put it, the prime space is, you know, is escalating in terms of price all the time. Um, is there, a, you know, are are there other parts of of the Lower Mainland where it the price point is becoming actually a little prohibitive for people? 
Mm-hmm. A little bit of that depends on the type of business, obviously. Uh, but we feel that the North Shore is another area where it's considered prime location. So that uh, the prices there are, again, just skyrocketing. Um, there are hubs in Burnaby where, say, the Metrotown area, mm-hmm. again, another prime area location where everybody wants to get in there and be a piece of that market action. Yeah. And when um, when you take a look at uh, not just the the determination of uh, of owners and what it is they want for their property, but then the other types of things that are occurring, for instance, raising of interest rates. You know, we're we're, we're getting it. It seems like every three four weeks now we're getting a, a bit of a bump up, and we expect that there's going to be more of a bump up. How much is that proving to be a bit of a factor now? in terms of what people want to do with their with their leasing and whether they want uh, a different kind of arrangement, different size space, you know, something that they, they feel they can handle uh, in a different way because they're, the owner is moving in with, uh, with say, inflationary increases. I mean, with the, with the rates going up, I have, you know, a couple of clients that said, you know, it, it affects their cash flow now and they can't do the renovations they wanted to do. If they do the renovations, that they it can increase the the rent for for their tenants and that will just have to be put on hold but it it still is a bit of an owner's market the owners are not necessarily uh, capitulating on on uh, renovations in the way that they might have been if we if we recall you know Andy we were at the beginning of 2020 kind of thinking that we were moving into something like a recession where where perhaps there was going to be a bit of budging on that kind of thing where it would be more of a you know a, a, a leaseholders market you know that's what we thought at the beginning of 2020, well, from 2021 even, uh, mm. sort of that height of the pandemic even through 2022. Although, like we just mentioned, it hasn't really come about as as we expected at, up to this point. Uh, yes, we do see some uh, uh, prices going up in terms of leases. Uh, property has also gone up. Inflation is the big story, obviously. Um, but having said that, we still haven't seen that recession come about yet yeah yeah are you concerned that one is headed our way though there are certainly headwinds to that uh inflation again keeps on rising it's not as fast as q1 but q2 still showed uh increases inflation and hence the rate keeps creeping up in Mm -hmm. trying trying to combat that yeah supply chain issues are another big thing uh if we can't get the goods at a a reasonable price then everything kind of goes up yeah yeah Anna, let's talk a bit about uh, also some different conversations now that are taking place during the pandemic. Uh, EDI is a is a major conversation that we weren't having in, to the same degree uh, pre pandemic. It, it has really, we've we've had a, a pretty significant awakening, I think, around around a lot of these issues. Can you translate that into how it's having an impact on on things like commercial real estate? Diversity is absolutely in in everyone's mind because it drives innovation in uh, in business. And with diversity, you have to look at you know who's in your workplace and how to accommodate, um, and you know be that flexible hours, um, be that you know working from home. So the more flexibility you are able to give um, your employees, you can attract you know. More employees and does well. that does that mean, for instance, that you know certain uh, certain places are uh, having uh, you know more flexible schedules, uh, longer opening hours, uh, things that uh, more people perhaps working 
in off hours uh, than in typical nine to five hours, those kinds of things in order to have that flexibility, the flexibility that has arisen by virtue of trying to uh, have a more inclusive workforce. Oh, absolutely. I think if you're raising a family and you're trying to get, um, you know, that demographic into into your workplace, then absolutely you have to work with the flexible hours. Yeah. Um, what I what I also wonder about, Andy, is is you know the the complexity of all these factors for small businesses. Small businesses, as as we all know, make up the vast majority of the businesses we have, and um, and we've got you know well over a million people. Uh, in them, uh, even in the province of British Columbia, um, have they had peculiar or particular um, uh, impacts during the pandemic? You think uh, on on how it is that they've been able to uh, buy and lease space? Particular impacts. Once again, I think it really depends on the type of businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certainly. Um, say the hospitality industry suffered as a whole through the pandemic. So they had to really shift their focus sometimes um, and offer uh, different types of either delivery services. And that's where luckily the Uber, people like Uber Eats, they came about Mm. and provided a delivery service for those businesses to keep them running. Um, Other businesses such as uh, the ones that uh, can adapt right away to use more technology or to become a little bit more uh, remote in their delivery uh, was, I guess, positive uh, impact, positively impacted throughout the pandemic. And that was really good. Yeah. We spent our time so far talking about conditions and, and, and impacts and influences and all that. But I want to talk about now the, the advice that, uh, that you're providing uh, prospective clients or those that actually have as clients that you, you want to expand your business or continue it with. Um, and I, I would like to get a bit of a sense from each of you about the kind of a checklist that you try to walk people through in order to see that they're getting the best possible investment uh, in in their space and the best possible uh, climate for the growth of their operations and uh, and you know the strongest possible conditions and all that. So where do you start with people, Anna, when when they're coming to you and they, what what's, what are some of the first questions you ask them in order to start sussing that out? Well, I always say, you know, um, when was the last time you you know assessed your um, production, right? Production. I mean, I'm going to use a, you know an example. Say you're you know a cafe. You know, have you looked at you know what suppliers you have, what you're buying, and just assess. Maybe that's something I can be making in-house. Well, sure, I can make it in-house, but who's going to make it? Do I have employees that can make it, you know, and say, you know, would you be hiring a chef to make all, you know, the sauces and the ketchups and things and making it in-house, right? Or, um, and, you know, how long that process is going to take. And you look at the difference of cost, whether you're hire um, a chef or whether you buy already pre-made yeah yeah so, and and i also say you know something like that needs to be looked at you know um annually yeah andy yes if i may add to that too i know anna you were talking about a different strategy that one, one i've never heard before yet but i believe one of uh one of the people you were talking to also rented out storage space for an off-site storage facility for their business and therefore, their main business did not have to be as big as uh, they really 
needed to be and uh, still have enough storage space to access as well. Yeah. And so uh, you you end up with, uh, uh, you know, the space that you're paying a premium for as small as possible. Isn't that, isn't that oh, absolutely. part of the thing? And, you know, in your storage space, you know, these are seasonal items that can go in there and, and also your overflow of inventory and clutter as well. And, but that opens up space for the new employee to work yeah. comfortably. And, and in, in your uh, financial planning with them and with your, your the services that you're providing and that a lot of small businesses and medium-sized businesses, of course, can avail themselves of, does it come down? Do you, do you get right into the weeds in terms of what their cash flow looks like and what, what in a way they, you know, how it is that you can help them manage the, their, you know, their operations so that they don't, you know, walk into something that's uh, that's problematic for them? Well, ideally that would be the case, but uh, I would, you know, usually go and do a site visit and get to know my clients better and just to see what their comfort level is and, you know, some things that, you know, they don't want to change for their business just because of legacy. And, but definitely the cash flow, you know, ask them how many staff they, you know, they need. And sometimes they say, you know, I'm looking for two staff, but, you know, really they're only looking for one and one, you know, in the future, two, three years, well, maybe just wait for two, three years to hire, mm. but just hire just, you know, essentially what you need and also, you know, cross training and, yeah. It's also an option. There were some incredible things, Andy, that businesses had to do when the pandemic struck in order to just frankly keep the lights on, if you want to call it that. Um, again, are you noticing that their adaptation has turned into some permanent things, the, the way in which they're going to operate now, and that that maybe has created a different climate for how these businesses operated and, and, and the work that you will end up doing with them? Yes, and incre- incredibly so. Technology plays a huge part into it, of course. Um, I uh, even look uh, in our industry where even pre-pandemic, um, a lot of people uh, went into the branches for a lot of things uh, and still do. However, with more technology and more available resources into those types of technologies, things like mobile banking has become huge in our, in our sector. And uh, there's a lot of things now that we can do not so much in person, but at least over, say, a Skype call or email and things like that. So for a smaller business, it, it sounds like it accelerated technology, right? Oh, absolutely. And even, you know, if my client is you know, not feeling well and we're uncomfortable to come into the office, we still have Skype. We don't have to cancel the meeting. Yeah, yeah. And, and around things like um, inventory and uh, supply chain issues and things like that that had been um, a little less... Uh, rigidly done in in the past. Now people have to pay a lot closer attention to that, right, Andy? Because of the because of the the disruption to the chain. Yes. Again, um, the supply chain issues are creating huge inventory issues in terms of uh, even getting supplies sometimes, um, or where they're coming from. Uh, mm-hmm. They might have to consider using uh, other sort uh, other suppliers that they never considered before. Yeah. And that always comes at a little bit of a maybe a premium in terms of price. In terms of uh, buying uh, either locally uh, rather than some kind of globalized circuit on this or whatever. Uh, do you, Would you expect that that's where, though, for safety's sake, businesses are going to start uh, spending a little bit more attention on uh, on local supplies of things just in order to make sure that they have a, some security? about what oh, they need. Absolutely, and I definitely want to see that happen. I mean, definitely support the local businesses. Yeah, 
it has a, as an effect. You know, you, you have to wonder, I guess, about whether we're going to return to that, you know, old style just in time inventory. Right. Uh, because it, it doesn't look like it's all that predictable and secure any longer. Yes, we've even seen businesses start to or start more actually the trend actually started before the pandemic but more more and more i I see businesses that order upon the sale so somebody would put an order in for an item and then the company will go and order that item yeah that's that that's obviously you know that's kind of the way the furniture business operated for a very long time and now i think it's it's sprawled out to a lot of other ones um let's uh conclude the talk with uh, a bit of a look at what you think the conditions might look like over the next year or so you know in in this area i mean you know your your clients likely have questions at all times what what's the future holding what are we going to see in the way of an economy what are we going to see in the way of other types of conditions we don't we have no idea about what the health condition will be like but about the economy what what kinds of questions are you being asked anna and what are you able to tell people well, I think first of all, you know, with um, interest rates, um, you know, always, you know, to not, not to overextend yourself and always kind of have a buffer. Um, I think a lot of my clients are are still focused on getting the staff and retaining the staff. So we do have a lot of conversations about um, bonuses and, and perks and mm-hmm. uh, dental medical coverage and things like that. Yeah. And yeah. what else the bank can, can assist with. Um, yeah. It yeah, sounds like you know, small businesses having to accommodate some of the things that larger businesses have had to in terms of um, in terms of benefits and uh, and and you know monetary and non-monetary compensation for employees. Yeah, Andy, what are what uh, kind of advice and and uh, areas are, are you now coming upon? Well, I think a lot of businesses have been asking, sort of, where where do they go from here? Um, and mm. one thing I tell. Uh, people is to really take a look at their business from start to finish, like their operations, where inputs are coming from, where the uh, the outputs are going, and take a look at where they were before the pandemic, how they adjusted through the pandemic, what things they can take after the pandemic and mm-hmm. keep on going with it. Um, and always, uh, I would really say to talk to their business advisor throughout the process so that they can get a handle uh, on the financial side through all this too. Yeah. It's been a good conversation. I really learned a lot and I think you, you're providing some really great insights into the, some of the challenges for small businesses. I want to thank you both for your time today, Anna Plute and Andy Wu. It's been great talking to you. Thank from, you. From the Pleasure. Lutron. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching. Thank you.